Well, spring brings with it new possibilities, freshness, there comes flowers, new life, warmer days. I don't know about you, but I love warmer days. Well, the truth is spring cannot be sprung without the seasons that precede it. Fall and winter aren't always neat and tidy months. In fact, there's a lot of rain, there's leaves, there's slushy walks, there's salt and gravel that make their way into our homes or our dorms. We find ourselves in dreary days and even darker days through winter, and much of the muck of these seasons leaves its wake upon the ground upon which we walk. Now, it's not my favorite thing to do, but I simply love the process. Power washing. Have you ever done it? No? Well, one day you will. I always know when it's time to power wash, things are about to change. You see, we walk on the cement day in and day out. And you know it's a bit weathered from the fall and the winter, but you just don't know for certain how compressed the seasons have caked on the layers until you power wash. And it struck me the sheer power of what happens to gentle flowing water when it's forced under pressure and the power it evokes to alter whatever comes across its path. It goes from this little trickle of water from the hose and it turns into a force to be reckoned with as it surges its way through the nozzle and literally obliterates whatever grimy caked on mess the seasons have laid down on the earth before. Now, I know seasons have left the pavement dry and grimy, but you never know how layered the seasons are until you hit that pavement with that magic wand and you see for yourself the clean, bright cement before your eyes. It was there all along. And it's easy to forget how it looks because day in and day out, day after day, we walk among what has become so normal, the weathered pathway beneath our feet. And it's easy to forget how bright the cement really is until it's, and how refreshing it feels to see it again when it's been so customary to know no different day in and day out. Well, seven years ago when I was power washing, I knew the ground was dirty. And I knew fall and winter had made their mark, and I decided to write the word hope in the ground with that magic wand. I did this for real. I did this seven years ago. And I did it as a declaration of what I believed for the days ahead. It's crazy, eh? Well, it's no different in our lives the day in, the day out, the seasons that you and I have been accustomed to. They're just supposed to remain, and that's how we think it is. But we need seasons to know that things are about to change, that there can be something different. And we need seasons to allow ourselves the ability to hunker down and then to rise again. Seasons are necessary, and they don't last forever. But let's be honest, some of them can feel like they do. Well, in the same way, mankind was in need of Easter, the ability to have the old washed away and the ability to embrace a new life. You see, Easter ushers in a new season, a time for our souls to be awakened to a new day, the identity of the pain that we recognize in Good Friday, the silence of Saturday, and then the hope of what is yet to unfold 
The day between Jesus' death and crucifixion, between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, was the discovery of the empty tomb. And it was dark. It loomed with fear, with deep grief. And yet, a new day was about to dawn, and with it, the ability to be brought closer to him with a hope that was unimaginable. Mary Magdalene and a few other women had gotten up early and headed to Jesus' tomb to tend to his body. Their expectations were the same as any other loved one who had passed. The body lay wrapped in burial clothes, waiting for the ceremonial rituals that were customary after one passed away. Mary Magdalene came to perform one final act of kindness for Jesus. With aromatic spices and perfumes, she came to anoint his body. She arrived only to discover that the tomb was empty. Now she's bewildered, she's panicked, and she's upset. And she runs back to the disciples. And in John chapter 20, verse 2, she says, They took the master from the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. I can only imagine the panic that unfolded next as they all ran to the tomb. Bewildered, confused, maybe even angry. Why would anyone do this? Where is he? You see, all of their hopes and dreams, everything that they had lived for was now buried in that tomb with Jesus. So where was he? They arrived to discover, indeed, the tomb is empty. His burial clothes are laying where his body once was. And the disciples leave the scene, but Mary remains. And let's read what happens starting in verse 11. It says, But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there, dressed in white, one at the head and the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, Woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking he was the gardener, said, Sir, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. You see, up until this point, no one had reason to believe that he hadn't just been taken. Mary is upset. She begs the one she thinks is a gardener to tell him where they have put him. And sometimes, I think you and I don't see the bigger picture ourselves. We live in anticipation of how we think things should be or of how they are. We don't allow hope to break into the storyline simply because we think we know how it goes. We don't allow space for the new because we are so conditioned to think that this is how it is supposed to be and it's how it has always been. Mary thinking he was the gardener, said, Sir, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary. Turning to face him, she said, Teacher. She recognized him. Jesus said, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to the Father, your Father, to my God, your God. Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples, I saw the master, and she told them everything he had said to her. You see, for the disciples, 
The day Jesus hung and died on the cross was a day that seemed so final. It was the end of life, the death of their friend and their teacher. And it was dark. It was heavy, and grief gave way to deep, deep sorrow. The tomb is where their hopes have died and been buried. There will be no more days with the one they loved, and it felt so heavy. They had just spent the last three years with Jesus. You know, we've just wrapped up our series, Encounters with Jesus, and here the disciples have been with him as he's performed miracles, he's walked on water, he's calmed the storms, he's healed the lame, he's fed thousands, he's taught the people, and he's even set them free. And now their beloved friend and healer has died. He's gone. The disciples left that empty tomb confused. They thought it was over. The heaviness of what they experienced was deep sorrow, shame. For some of them, the last thing they had done was deny they ever even knew him, and they rejected Jesus. They felt defeated. What was about to happen was significant, but first, the darkness and the fear, it's all real. And we too experience these same emotions, these same moments of rawness in our own journey and lives. And we too long for healing, for hope, for a way forward. And we strive to find something in the darkness to help us find our way. And Jesus came into that darkness. And he brought that hope. He brought a new beginning that set into motion a new way of living and a new possibility, a new invitation. 2 Corinthians 5:17 says therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old has gone and the new is here You see you know this and I know this life doesn't always unfold how we want and it can be easy for us to stay to stay stuck in the finality of loss of grief of illness, of shattered dreams, of hurt and pain, and dead ends. It, in fact, can consume us. It is real. Yet with everything in life that ends, it gives way to something new. New doesn't mean it's easy. New doesn't mean that the pain is gone. New doesn't mean what was is wrong. But it gives way to a forward movement. It gives way to a new beginning that can bring forth hope, perspective, honoring what was, and stepping in to a new season. It is not denying what was, but it's choosing to embrace what is. Barbara Brown Taylor says, new life starts in the dark, whether it is a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb. It starts in the dark. Too often, we define ourselves by our past. We sense our choices are so final, and somehow those choices have sealed our fate. Louisa Fletcher Tarkington is a poet from long ago, and in one of her poems, she states the plight of all of us. She says, I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again, where all of our mistakes and heartache and all of our selfish greed could be dropped like a shabby old coat and left at the door and never put on 
again. In fact, I think all of us can identify with that very feeling. And yet, this is where the story changes and where hope emerges. Romans 3, 24 to 25 in the message talks about grace bestowed on us because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And it says this, I want you to hear these words this morning. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. You know, I grew up with faith, knowing that Jesus loved me. I knew all the Sunday school songs and all the actions. And I knew the answer was always Jesus, (laughs) right? But I also knew that Jesus was my friend, and I had a relationship with him. And I know that all of those things were significant to me in my life. But even though I knew all that, I remember the day that the reality of Jesus' love truly impacted me in a way that I hadn't grasped before. I was in college, and we were singing about the love of God, the sacrifice he had made, and I was struck with such raw, deep emotion in acknowledging that I did nothing to deserve this extravagant love, this gracious forgiveness, that I was no better than the thief who hung on the cross beside Jesus. I was unworthy of such a sacrificial love. The weight of that reality hit me, and I wept with deep gratitude. It hit me with a personal awareness that was I was so unworthy of what he had done that he died for me. He faced his most darkest moment so I wouldn't have to face mine alone. He did that. For me, he did that for you. He paid a debt I could literally never repay. And it hit differently that day, and it changed everything. You see, he is risen. He is alive. It wasn't the end. It seemed so final, so dark, and so permanent. Death always does. Darkness meets all of us. But what breaks out of the darkness is the power of the light. The moment that changed everything was Christ risen from the dead. And it sets into motion a new beginning, a new hope, and a new way of living life. You know, I love how Bob Goff known author puts it. He says, hope doesn't go to sleep just because it's dark outside. No, it lights a candle and stays up waiting for the rest of the story. What a beautiful imagery. Hope doesn't cower. Hope lets, lights the candle and brings out the light. And maybe some of us here today need to be awakened to that reality that we've taken for granted our daily lives and we've not given way to hope. We wait for the rest of the story 
And we need to wait so that we can see what God wants to actually do in our lives and our circumstances and our situations. You see, Jesus' death and resurrection brought about a hope that speaks to the past and releases us into forgiveness and freedom for our future. It was his resurrection that allowed us to access this new life, one where we can commune with God himself, where we can come to him flawed, imperfect, curious, even wounded. And there we can find healing, forgiveness, love, acceptance, hope, and an invitation to a new life. There is hope, even in the darkness. There is life, even in death. Absence gives way to discovery. A place of finality becomes the birthplace of something new. And that is good news. Each day is one of new beginnings. Not one of us in this room can force the sun to rise or the sun to set. It happens without our permission. We have a choice to embrace the moments we're given. In our flawed state, you and I are given hope. We are given a new start and a fresh slate. It's a gift. We often take for granted the newness of each new beginning, the awareness of his presence and his peace with us. You see, Jesus came to bring an end to what was and to usher in a new beginning. And we can identify with the pain of Friday. We can identify with the silence and even the awkwardness and the, and the grief of Saturday. And then we're invited into the hope and the resurrection of Sunday. Natalie Runyon is a pastor and author, and she recently posted this, and it resonated with me, and I want to share it with you this morning. She said, let the empty tomb be a reminder that we won't find life in dead places. She says, I think God asks me this sometimes. Why do I look for living waters in dry riverbeds? Why do I continue digging up the old when he has called me to the new? Why do I settle to live in the pain and the hurt of yesterday? of yesterday's offenses, when he is inviting me into a tomorrow of healing and promise. You see, God brings dead things to life. The end is just the beginning, and it gives way to something unexpected and welcoming. Granted, we are not promised it will be easy or grand, but we are promised that he will be with us. We are promised that this new life is being offered and the invitation has been presented and it's up to us whether we choose to accept it or not. Luke 24, 5 says this, Why do you look for the living among the dead? So let me ask you, what are you looking for this morning? And where are you looking? In the usual places? In the familiar? Or are you willing to acknowledge this morning that you need a new perspective, a new awakening to recognize the gift of life, of freedom and forgiveness that is before you? He is risen. He is alive. Jesus came to turn their grief into hope, to turn their sorrow into joy, and to turn their pain into gratitude. And he offers that same gift to us today. We need only to believe. Easter is a word of hope. It's also a word of presence. He was supposed to be in the tomb. Rather, he was alive. He was present. 
He was here, not there. Easter isn't about proving something. Rather, it's about declaring something. He is risen. He is alive. That's good news. In her book, God in Pain, Barbara Brown Taylor writes this. She says, Christianity is the only world religion that confesses a God who suffers. It is not that popular an idea, even among Christians. We prefer a God who prevents suffering. Only that is not the God we've got. What the cross teaches us is that God's power is not the power to force human choice and end human pain. It is, instead, the power to pick up the shattered pieces and make something holy out of them. Not from a distance, but right up close. I love that. God takes the shattered pieces of our lives and makes them something, makes something holy out of them. Not at a distance, but right up close. That's personal. That is practical. And that is hope-filled. And that is the power of the cross. His death and his resurrection made alive in us. We are not called to be spectators of this moment in history. Rather, we are invited into this reality of this moment. The invitation is given. All we need to do is accept this amazing gift of hope and life. How many times do we dismiss the goodness of God, maybe even his provision, his grace, or we even reject his love, and sometimes even his hope? We anticipate what we think it should be, and we miss out on what is. We miss who is actually walking with us, beside us. We miss out on who is leading us and guiding us, who is calling us to a new path and a new way of living and experiencing life, a life rooted in him. Hope abounds. We don't always see it or know how to define it, but at the end of the day, each of us will put our hope in something or someone. You know, when I was power washing, I knew that the ground was caked in dirt from the past couple of seasons. But when I took those moments to power wash the word hope, it became all too clear just how dingy things had become. And I wonder how many of us need to forge that word hope into our caked on seasons, to lavish in the awareness that underneath what appears to be the normative is actually something new, fresh, and something that needs to be uncovered yet once again. The pavement hasn't changed. It's just had its seasons blasted off, and now it's ready for the bright days of summer. We each need to come to that place of recognizing our need to have our pasts washed away, of the hope and healing set before us to welcome a new day, a new season, and a new hope into our lives. See, Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection changed everything. He meets us where we're at. Some of us need to step into that invitation and know that the end may in fact just be a new beginning.
Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the sacrificial gift of your son. And Jesus, we could never repay you for what you've done. But today we sit here, and I hope and I pray that we can be awakened to the hope that comes through your death, your life, but more importantly, your resurrection. And so, Father, for each person in this room, no matter where we're at in that journey, I pray that you would awaken us to the reality of your presence in a way we've not known before. For the person who's known you for decades, I ask that you would awaken within them again the awareness of your deep, passionate love for them, that your calling is on their life. For those who are wandering in their faith, are curious, God, I pray that you would reveal your truth and love to us in a way that is practical and real. And for those still on the outskirts looking in, wondering what this is all about, would you reveal yourself to us in a way that is practical, that shows us your goodness and your hope? Father, for those in this room this morning who feel like they have been stuck in the end of a season, that they have been lingering in a time of darkness, I pray today that they would understand the hope of that light and that truth, that you are alive, that you are with them and you are present. And so, God, we speak hope this morning into our lives, into our circumstances, whatever that may be, may we trust you. And so, God... This morning, allow us to know that the end is just the beginning. No matter where we find ourselves in our journey with you, it's just getting started because you desire to do something new in us. So we thank you for the resurrection today, that you are alive and you are present with us here and now. Amen.